Here's your host, Alex Garrett. All right. And on this Terminello take, you know, we recorded this yesterday, Monday, October 17th. And Lou, welcome, by the way, for Terminello's take number three. Lou, before we get set for game five, what future does Aaron Boone, the manager, have? Doesn't playoff series, if you're ousted, uh, affect your tenure as manager? I think it does, unfortunately. And it's not so much by the people in the baseball know. Uh, it's more uh, from the fans and the media. Um, I mean, let, let's take a look at what, what happened this weekend. Uh, Dave Roberts got outmanaged by Bob Melvin in, in San Diego. The Dodgers didn't hit, but the, you know, the Dodgers have this, uh, this formula, uh, this analytic uh, algorithm. Okay. Uh, look, so-and-so is going to pitch so many innings and then he's coming out. Tim Anderson was, was had the Padres down uh, three, nothing at the end of uh, five innings. He, he comes out after 86 pitches, Padres only had two hits and the, the, uh, the Padres scored the five runs in the bottom of the seventh inning. I don't know, man. I mean, I know you go by, you got to go by field. You got to go by the eye test. I know that uh, uh, while I do embrace analytics to a certain point that they can help you win the game uh, with the eye test, it has to be a combination. And I think the Dodgers are too committed to analytics. And I think the Yankees sometimes are too, well, all teams, but like Saturday night, uh, I don't think al- uh, analytics was the reason that uh, Aaron Hicks wasn't in left field. Yeah, he may never get another hit again. And I know he's way on the other side of, of his prime. And, and Aaron, you know, Aaron Hicks was a solid major league player. He wasn't a superstar. He wasn't a star. But, but you just want him to catch a fly ball. And that, uh, that little blooper that, uh, that fell in the ninth inning helped pave the way to uh, the Indians coming back. Something I didn't think they could do. Voices like, and I love him a lot, he's a fellow Queens College alumnus, Howie Rose, are saying, well, let's change up the format because how could the Cardinals, the NL Central winner, be knocked out in two games? How can you go 162 and knock them out in two games like the Phillies did? But, Lou, that's the thrill of the game. That's the thrill of the postseason, isn't it? It is the thrill of the game. That's what that's what's made this postseason exciting. It also made postseasons throughout baseball exciting. I am not thrilled that they now we now have uh, 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 you know additional teams you know in the playoffs. I, to me, it was fine when you had the three divisional winners and the one wild card team. And even when it, when they had the second wild card team, I could live with it. But now we just keep adding teams. And remember, the owners wanted to add another one. They want to add a seventh team, and the Players Association turned that down in, in the uh, uh, in the negotiation of the of the new collective bargaining agreement. Uh, but these games have been exciting, and what it does is it gives a team like San Diego, a team that underachieved during the course of the year. You know, they won 89 games. There's no way they're 22 games worse off than the Los Angeles Dodgers who finished 22 games ahead of them. Yes, the Dodgers are better than them. The Dodgers are more consistent than them, but it's not a, it's not a 22-game gap. Uh, the Padres lineup is formidable. And just think, they don't have Fernando Tatis Jr. 
the Padres pitching staff, the top three, and if you want to go to Clevenger, four, is, is, is solid. Uh, now, all of a sudden, their bullpen looks great. Josh Hader, who for a year and a half was unhittable, didn't give up a home run for almost a calendar year, then uh, had a bad four or five weeks in June into early July, started giving up homers left and right, lost uh, lost control of the plate. His mechanics was, was all messed up. Wild, Lou. Yeah. No, his mechanics were all messed up. And and uh, the Brewers quickly, quickly uh, traded him to San Diego, where he lost his job as a closer because his problems that he had at the end of his Brewers tenure were continuing. And uh, now it looks like he has strained himself out. And uh, watching the game on a Saturday night with the season on the line, he struck out Mookie Betts, he struck out Trey Turner, and he struck out Freddie Freeman to clinch the series in the ninth inning. If, if Hader is right, they are a real, real contender, not only to beat the Phillies, but to win the whole thing. Lou, you know, the thing about the Padres is simply this. They've had the talent. They have the team. Is it just now that it's they're finally gelling? And not only that, I think that Fernando Tatis being out of the lineup with that suspension and now uh, we find out he had another wrist surgery. I mean, come on, Lou. Without him, the culture's actually improved, hasn't it? Well, I, you know what? You are, you're 100% right. And he's not going to be there for the first part of next year either. And, and I don't know how that's how I can't believe how ill advised the kid the kid was in making just making that mistake just terrible. But uh, um, it's going to be the Phillies and the, the Phillies and the uh, Padres. That's a very interesting series. Let's face it, the Phils had underachieved for a long time. Uh, the, the managerial change lit their fire. They, they're going to, you know, they they have Wheeler, they have Nola, they have uh, Ranger uh, Suarez. Um, their bullpen is now effective. Uh, Alvarado, a very good left-handed pitcher. So Anthony has done a terrific job for them. Uh, I guess I don't know if uh, David Robertson, who got hurt in a celebration uh, and couldn't uh, and couldn't. Uh, make the roster in the last series. I don't know what his status is going forward, but he's always been a solid relief pitcher. I, I always was a, a David Robertson fan. You, you feel when he goes out there that he knows what he's doing. He may not always be effective. Hey, this game is being played by human beings, not robots, but uh, he's a very good, a very good established reliever. Um, it's going to be a very interesting series, and uh, uh, yeah, of course, Yankee Astros are going to be. It's going to be interesting if the Yankees win tonight. Um, I think the Yankees obviously they're favored. They should be favored. I think that their ability to get to uh, the Indians because that's going to be a bullpen game. I don't know how how long Savali is going to go, and he has a penchant for giving up some home runs. Uh, it's gonna. I mean, it's gonna be a five-four game. I think. I think, and I guess. I guess Boone will use uh, Clay Holmes tonight because tonight is an emergency situation. <laughs> no, it is, and I've got to. I've got to say, uh, as you say, emergency situation. But real quick on the Phillies, 
it, they have a, a storybook, a Cinderella story blooming, blooming, and they cut their losses with Girardi as well as Didi Gregorius. People forget that he got cut middle of the season. But they don't have the power that the Padres do. That's my concern right now. Well, again, now the bottom of the uh, of, uh, of the Padres' uh, order is coming through. They did it against the Mets. They were the difference in that Mets series. Uh, uh, you know, Grissom, about 184 during the course of the year, brilliant center fielder. I mean, he, 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 he's hit three home runs so far in these playoffs. And I mean, hit bombs. And uh, in the Mets series, he hit one off Max Scherzer. He hit one off Jacob DeGrom. So he's not going after uh, secondary guys. He's going after uh, the top pitchers in the uh, uh, in the playoffs. So the Padres are definitely, definitely a scary opponent right now. The Phils are playing with a lot of confidence. They really are. Uh, I mean, Robbie Thompson has done a terrific job. Uh, Bryce Hopper, their superstar, was 8 for 16 against the Braves. Um, you can't... Uh, you can't discount him, uh, Brandon. Oh, Martin, no wonder. You know, we're going to love the Blake Snell uh, Bryce rematch, right? Yeah, that's right. Well, that'll that'll be uh, uh, that'll be coming up. Uh, I guess uh, game two. Well, again, game two, maybe. I don't know what the what the pitching, um, you know, the pitching game by game is, but um, you know, it's it's going to be. I think it's going to be a long series. I think it's going to be a six or game seven game series for sure. Um, you know, so uh, a very, very good month for baseball. And I agree with you. I don't think, you know, I hear a lot today because of, with the Braves losing and uh, the Dodgers losing, well, maybe they should, it, it shouldn't be three out of five. It should be four out of seven. No, it should be three out of five. Um, uh, you know, they never they didn't say, well, the Mets won 101 games. Should the two out of three be three out of five in that first round? So, uh, no, they laughed that's at the baseball, Mets, actually. That's, yeah, no, you're right. And um, but uh, Dodgers won 217 games the last two years combined, and they're not and they're not going to have a world championship show for it. Now, now they have a thirty for great... thirty for everything, Lou. I, I'm waiting for the thirty for thirty on why the Dodgers can't win a World Series in a 162 game season. I'm waiting for that. Well, uh, you. They do have a 30 for 30 for everything. And some of the topics that they pick for the 30 for 30 are, to me, head scratches. I mean, I wouldn't waste my time on a production of some of the topics that, that they do uh, 30 for 30. And most of those 30 for 30s are good. But, like, uh, I mean, like they were talking about that 77-78 that um, World Series back-to-back Dodgers-Yankees, uh, the Uncivil War. Well, first of all, I, 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 that was my heyday when I was uh, your age and even younger. Uh, the Yankees' rival was not the Dodgers. The Yankees' rival were the Kansas City Royals in the 70s. They played for the American League Championship for three straight years, and those games were intense. And uh, yeah, so, again, I know we're getting off the beaten track here, but yeah, some of those 30 for 30s. Just a little bit of a head scratches as far as the subject matter goes. Well, real quick on that, because obviously the Brett era had been very intense and Chambliss winning in 76. But you're right. They they had um, I believe there were some videos of fights between the Royals and Yankees 
a little bit there in the 70s. We all know the 73 Rose Harrelson, but weren't there some Royals and, and Yankee fights as well? Absolutely. And, you know, it, it was true, true rivalry hatred uh, between uh, the Yankees and Royals. Not only when they played in the playoffs, they played in 76, they played in 77, they played in 78, they played in 80. Um, when the Royals got to the World Series, uh, when and they lost to the Phils, um, those games were intense. I was at the game where um, Hal McRae knocked Willie Ramsey to left field. I mean, those games were hard games. There was you talk about an incident, and it was in Game Five of seventy of the seventy seven uh, ALCS where Craig Nettles and I believe it was Craig Nettles and Brett uh, push each other off. I think Nettles was on third base and they tried to push him off the bag with a tag or something. And then they got a little, got a little crazy. And then the Yankees came from behind in the ninth inning to win that game. Memorable game. Memorable because I just amazingly, Billy Martin, who had an ax to grind with Reggie Jackson, did not start him against the left-hander. And uh, uh, that was just crazy because Reggie Jackson was one of the greatest clutch playoff and World Series players of all time. Uh, but those were crazy days and much, much more crazy than the 77-78 World Series back-to-back Yankees-Dodgers, in my opinion. Well, let's let's stick with Kansas City because current-day Kansas City – had some football last night at, at the 425 mark. And we'll get to the Giants and Jets in a minute. But I am just, I was intrigued by the Allen Mahomes matchup. I love that. I think it's going to be a matchup we see, we should see every regular season. And then we see every postseason, at least one of the rounds. What, what do you think? And, and Allen got the best of them yesterday. Well, first of all, you're talking about two ultra great modern day quarterbacks. I mean, Mahomes and Josh Allen are exquisite football players. Uh, They are. And, uh, uh, again, I could see them obviously playing again in the playoffs in the AFC Championship game. Uh, Yesterday was another – it was different than the game of last year, the the most memorable playoff game that we'd ever see. Uh, But it was different. But, again, it came down to the end. And uh, Josh Allen, who I would say is the front runner for MVP, um, made a play. He has great receivers. He makes his receivers great. The, the Bills are ready to win. Right now, barring injury on, the, on rosters, and it, as we know, it changes quarter to quarter in the NFL. But right now, on October 17th, uh, the Bills are the best team in the league. And I would say that – I would say that uh, – uh, uh, the Chiefs are, are second best. Um, well, look they, at the difference Von Miller has made for that team as well. I know that's a big name, but I think Diggs and Allen continue to have that run, and he's just he's just wheeling and dealing. He can run, and he runs safely as well, I feel like, with those jumps. I have the leap on my phone as a lock screen, by the way. Well, I mean, that leap was unbelievable because he's a big guy. It's not like he's a little guy. He's a big man, Josh Allen. And leaping over defenders on that right sideline uh, was, besides athletically impressive, <laughs> was dangerous. You can get hurt. And without 
let's face it, as good as a team, and they have a very deep roster, uh, the Bills, offensively, defensively, you just talked about uh, Vaughn Miller. You bring in a guy like Vaughn Miller, who, again, is not going to uh, play 100% of the snaps, but he's, he's that guy, that specialist that helps you win and get, o- get over the hump. I, that, I think that, that was a great acquisition by, uh, uh, by the Bills. They're a, tr- they're a great team. They're a great team. I, I, I think if they stay healthy, they'll be, they'll be hard to beat. But if the, if the Chiefs stay healthy, they'll be right there too. I know the Chiefs had some injuries to their defensive backfield that weren't there, so we'll see what goes on later on. But that, that's the NFL. But that was a great game yesterday, and uh, I'm sure the ratings for CBS were pretty high. All right, I want to I want to stay in this New York State area because and the tri-state because the Giants and Jets are in the tri-state, but that's quarterback number one in the tri-state area. We have three other quarterbacks to dissect real quick here: Garrett Schrader, okay, and he has come into his own under Dino Babers' leadership. I mean, that guy can can make moves that we haven't seen from the last year or two with him. You know, they're six and zero, six and I believe they're six and zero, but they're undefeated. And uh, they beat they beat the number fifteenth ranked team in the country on Saturday, North Carolina State at home. Uh, Babers was basically this was a do or die year for him, and he's doing it. And uh, they have a key game this week. It's going to be tough. Um, it's down in Clemson, I believe. And uh, you know we'll uh, we'll learn a lot about about them this week. But no matter what happens. He has turned Syracuse around. They're going to go to a bowl game. If by any chance they can win this week, and they have given Clemson some uh, trouble in the past, as you know, uh, beating them a couple of years ago, and uh, should have beaten them down in Clemson. The Indians at the same time. Oh my God! I didn't even I didn't even uh, put that together. So. Uh, um, yeah, so they've they've done they've done a, a, a terrific job. I'm happy for them, and uh, happy for the coach, and they're an ent- and they're an entertaining team. Now, I mean, they have some interesting games coming up. They got Clemson on Saturday. Uh, then a week after that, Notre Dame comes to the dome. Um, back to, that was a back to back. Interesting games. Yes, Notre Dame's only three and three, and I don't know how they lost to Stanford on Saturday night. That's a head scratcher, but uh, that that that'll be an interesting game. But whoever thought that you'd be going into this weekend, Syracuse's fourteenth ranking in the country. I mean, it's playing it's at amazing, the number five as is, the, as is Garrett Schrader. And why am I saying this quarterback theme? Because I'm talking about patience. Buffalo's had patience uh-huh. with Allen. Syracuse fans have had patience with Schrader. And then the big two. How much patience have the Jet and Giant fans had with, you know, Jones and Wilson? And you give them a little patience, you give them the right kind of ingredients, and we're seeing the true quarterbacks. They both can be all at the same time. Uh, well, I, I was always a, um, a fan of Daniel Jones. Uh, I, think I, I think, as I said last week, is he going to be Dan Marino? No. He's not, but I think he can be. I think he can be a more than average, a uh, more than serviceable uh, NFL quarterback. He's the kid's tough. The kid's a great athlete. He's a great runner. Uh, the Giants don't have the greatest offensive talent right now, besides Barkley. Um, 
And, uh, you know, he, he, he does uh, as long as he can eliminate his mistakes. I know he fumbled again yesterday. didn't cost him because it was on the last play of the half. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, I, 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 I like Daniel Jones. I think he can, he can uh, lead the Giants to being contenders. Is he the guy to take him over the top? I'm not sure. Uh, you know, uh, you saw you saw him yesterday. Uh, tie, you know, bring them within 20 to 17. Uh, right after the the Ravens went up 20 to 10, and uh, you know, Lamar Jackson made a horrendous play at the end of the game that cost him the game. The snap goes by him, picks it up, and then instead of just trying to uh, minimize the damage. He extends the damage by throwing the ball up for grabs. Love intercepts it for the Giants, and he, they give him a 13-yard uh, field. They had to go 13 yards to take the lead, which they did, and then uh, and then he fumbles on the next uh, uh, the next series. So, if you avoid mistakes, that's how you that's how you learn. And you, you know, you talk about. Uh, you talk about uh, the quarterbacks for the Jets and the Giants. Look, uh, look at look at uh, Zach Wilson yesterday. I mean, uh, that first half yesterday was a defensive struggle. Jets receivers couldn't get open. Garrett Wilson, who we have just been loving in the first uh, five weeks of the season, could not get could not get open yesterday, and. Um, Jameer Alexander did a great job traveling all over the field chasing uh, Garrett Wilson. But in the second half, uh, the kid stayed within himself. That beautiful, showing great arm strength, that 47-yard pass or 41-yard pass to, to Corey Davis. Um, so he, And he didn't make any mistakes. So these kids are coming on. Now, Zach Wilson next week will be playing his 17th NFL game. So next week is the equivalent of one full season. What you said a couple of minutes ago, patience. We get impatient. He's also not been healthy all the time, right? So that's, that's cutting right. down even more of his games there. Right. Absolutely. Uh, I was very impressed. I watched, I watched the whole Jet game yesterday from start to finish, and uh, it was a complete – it was a complete performance. Their special teams were great. Daniel Jones is the Duke four touchdown in the Liberty Bowl, you know, player that I think the Giants thought they were drafting. I think he's coming into that right now. As you know, we army on our air for two uh, for many years, and in two of those years, um, they played Duke once at West Point, once down at Duke, and you know, I got a close up look at at uh, Daniel Johnson. Every time I would, I would see him on TV, I thought, I thought he was impressive. Again, I know the Giants get criticized. Gelman picked him sixth overall. I don't know if he, again, I don't know what it means if you pick some, you know, the, oh, he wasn't uh, the sixth guy uh, overall in the draft. He didn't deserve to be. What does that mean? I mean, I mean, if you think he can play, whether you should have picked him in the sixth or 17th or 19th, what does it matter? I mean, I think the kid can play. We'll see. The, the school is, uh, you know, school is still out on on Daniel Jones and and Zach Wilson. It is, but uh, I like what I see. Uh, obviously, the Giant coaching staff has changed the thought process of the Giant 
uh, of how Giants are doing things. I think with uh, Joe Shane and uh, Brian Dable, they came from Buffalo. Not, you know, and if they're going to follow the, the Bills formula, um, that's, that's not a bad thing. Now they just have to implement it with the right players. And you saw it, you saw it with the Jet game yesterday. The Jets, the thing that really stood out for me, how they beat the heck out of the Packers yesterday. They were more physical. Uh, Quinn and Williams was the best player on the field. Uh, Michael, Michael Clemens, a fourth-round draft pick from Texas A&M, he's going to contribute on the line uh, this season. But he, blo- he, blocked a, he, he, he blocked a punt. He almost blocked a field goal. He, he was part of that push that blocked a field goal, which uh, Quinn and Williams blocked. If you're a Jet fan, you have, you have to be pretty happy what you saw yesterday. And Brees Hall, as I said a couple minutes ago, I mean, that guy, that guy can play. And uh, he's, they're going to develop more plays for him. They're going to get him open in space. Um, he's very impressive. And one last thing on yesterday's Jet game, having Dwayne Brown, 37 years old and all, coming back from his injury that he suffered the last week of training camp, Putting him at left tackle just gave the Jets not only confidence as a line, uh, just the fact that of, of, of his career accomplishments gave the whole offense confidence. So it was a good day. Good day for both the Jets and Giants. Sadly, it was a good day for Syracuse, and we'll, we'll see what happens this weekend. Lou, this is why I love having you on, because I can – I can tee up, and you just have all the expert analysis, and I love that, Louis. Uh, you are, of course, a longtime industry executive with the Nets, and it, just in sports in general, sports talk radio, sports radio with us as a sports director at 970. But your heart also lies with the Islanders, so I want to finish out this segment sort of like say, well, hockey's back, and I see they're what one one. You know, they've just started out. What What are your first thoughts? I watched both games, both games from start to finish. And uh, I'm not one of these people that going to overreact and jump to conclusions. But on, on Thursday night when they lost to, um, obviously, a team that can go far in the Stanley Cup players, the Florida Panthers, uh, they, with the exception of the last five or six minutes of the, of the first period where they were pressing forward um, and creating some offensive chances, Alex, they look like the same team that was struggling to score last year, uh, and they, and they I mean, they lost three to one. I never felt like they were going to win the game in the uh, uh, in the, in the third period, even when it was two to one, because the the third goal was an empty netter. I just didn't get that. And then then on Saturday night, they were playing they were playing the Ducks, and um, they uh, really really opened up the game. They they made sure that they counterattacked. Uh, they a lot of open space. They they had four goals from their defensemen, and but even more important, a couple of young guys that have to come through for the Islanders if they're going to do anything in a very very difficult Eastern Conference this year. Oliver Wallstrom and Anthony Beauvillier scored. Beauvillier might have been the best forward on uh, on Saturday night. And have and Walton scored on a breakaway, beautiful backhanded breakaway. Uh, so that was that, that was key things, key thing for the Islanders. I know they're still a work in progress with the new coach, Lan Lambert, but uh, 
We'll see. I was, I was in 48 hours. I went from, okay. I didn't see anything to Saturday night. I saw a lot. Well, again, the patience factor, especially with a team that is under new tutelage and a team that seems a bit, you know, they're trying to just get themselves back together to that form they were prior to the new arena opening and the 12-game road trip and the losing of Andrews Lee. I mean, all of this has right. been affecting them right. for two years now, I feel like. Yeah, right. And last, last year, with everything that went on with the 13-game road trip and COVID where they had to play basically the Bridgeport team for – five, six games, which is terrible. Um, you know, I, I'll give him a, I'll give him a pass on last year, but I have, we, the key thing is these young forwards who have skilled scoring ability have to reach their potential or else the Islanders are sunk. Um, so, yeah, so we'll see. And we'll see what happens if they're, if they're a playoff team, if they're close to the playoffs, will they go and get somebody uh, at the trade deadline. I know the number one name that's going to be out there for not only the Islanders, but for the Rangers, um, for whoever is looking to get to the next level, try to get over the hump. Patrick Kane's name is going to be out there. The great the great Chicago Blackhawk player. Oh, and, Patrick Kane, man. You know, whatever he went yeah, through, he, he was still a, a solid player for that team. Hey, look, Lou, I loved having you on for Terminal's Take Number three, we're week three into this. Let's do this again next Monday, shall we? If the weekends are chock full of uh, sports topics like they usually are, I'm looking forward to next Monday. Same here. All right, Lou Terminello, talk to you soon, and uh, thanks again. By the way, you can find Lou on LinkedIn. I know that's your only social media right now. It is. <laughs> Probably, because I know that the, the Facebook gets you a little agitated sometimes off the sports realm, but for now, find him on LinkedIn and uh, keep on listening to Terminello's Take here on the Sports Spotlight with Alex Garrett.